0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Legal Legal Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. I'm an attorney here in Lakeland. To call in to the show, the number is 863-682-1430. That's 863-682-1430. To contact me at my office, the number is 863-688-2389. That's 863-688-2389. My office is conveniently located at 904 South Missouri Avenue, which is directly behind the old Southside dry cleaners that's on South Florida Avenue. And yes, someday I'm going to send them a bill for all of the advertising I've done for them during this time frame. Today I've got with me special guest Jim Headley, who's another attorney here in Lakeland. Jim's been on the show before, and he does a lot of stuff with veterans issues, uh, helping veterans. And we're going to touch on a lot of the different types of things he's able to help veterans with. Uh, But we've also got a caller already that we'd kind of set up to call in as well, Uh, Ray Rollerson. Mr. Rollerson, are you there?
1: Yes, I am.
0: Glad to have you on the show and I appreciate you calling in like this. It's my understanding that you and Jim know each other.
1: Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, 22
0: years. (laughs) He said 22 years. Is that about right?
1: That's about right, give or take a day. All right.
0: What do you do? Are you doing work for the VA or how does that work?
1: Well, actually, I'm an accredited representative with the VA. i been an accredited representative uh, with the VA for, oh, God, longer than I can remember. And um, I work with Jim when Jim needs some uh, assistance with VA claims.
0: Okay. And I think you've done that all the way back to when he actually was putting his own claim through back 20-some years ago.
1: Yeah. Yes, I did. And he authorized me to to
0: say stuff like that, so that's why <laughs> okay. I'm commenting on it. I know it may be a little tricky for you, but it, he's sitting here with me, and he said it was okay because that's why he was having you call in. Yeah,
2: Ray's who All I right. call in when the questions are above my pay grade. He fills yeah. in the gaps.
0: Kind of your mentor within the VA system.
2: Oh, he's then. most definitely my mentor within the VA system.
0: So, how are the two of you able to interact and, and work together to help
2: veterans? Then you want to take it, Ray? You want me to take it?
1: Oh, go ahead and take
2: it, Jim. Um, <clears throat> I own a small firm in Lakeland, and. Ray and I have spoken through the years that there was a a void in the VA system where the veterans weren't getting the help they needed. So Ray, by the kindness of his heart, has been helping me for a few years now to do pro bono work for veterans for the service-connected compensation questions and help them from the appeals, from the application process to all the appellate processes. And uh, Ray comes over about once a month and spends a whole day with me doing uh, workshops where we get in eight or nine or 10 veterans to go through where they're at and the procedure, what we can do to help them, answer the questions that they're not getting through the the federal government when they go to the VA. We like to say out of of 10 people, one person knows and cares, one person knows and doesn't care, and eight people in the VA have no clue.
0: Yeah. And and that doesn't strike me as as something that's unusual because of all the things we hear about the VA uh, with them not helping people out as much as potentially they should. And so' well, it's, it's, it's great that y'all are working together to help resolve those types of issues.
1: Good. well, in any bureaucratic system, you'll have anywhere from um, roughly eight to it's climbed to like twenty percent, eight to twenty percent of the bureaucratic system. And this is both in the civilian as well as the government side that fails the people. That could be the government or even a civilian hospital, that will fail its target demographic.
0: And and And, and when we say fail, they're just simply not providing the benefit that should be there for those folks. Correct. Uh, What kind of benefits are we really talking about?
1: Well, we're talking about uh, what we target is mostly compensation for um, a veteran's uh, disease or injury that he acquired during or through his honorable military service.
0: And that, that can be far-reaching, though, not just being engaged in a battle-type scene, can't it?
2: That's correct. C- that's correct. And, and basically the, the components for service-connected compensation or disability, uh, you have to have an in-service occurrence, you have to have a current diagnosis, and you have to have a, a, a nexus, something that links them together, a chain. So and go ahead,
1: No, And that, that right there is the basic principles you begin with.
0: And I think one of the ones that we hear a lot of through the news media now it dealt with the old Agent Orange even coming out of Vietnam.
1: Well, yes, that's the, the old Agent Orange uh, is a big one. Now we're looking at um, Gulf War veterans and what's the, the, the uh, mysterious Gulf War syndrome and now burn pits.
0: Yep. And that was the next thing I was getting ready to hit on is the burn pits. What exactly is a burn pit, so to speak?
1: Well, if I can take this, Jim. Please do. Uh, burn pits have actually been around um, since—we uh, can go back to the Romans or even further, but I'm not going to go back that far. Burn pits have been around for a long time. Every, everybody who has a military has to get rid of every, everything from waste, dead bodies, materials, somehow. And the best way to do it is burn it.
0: Okay. And and And, we're talking about everything from bodies to garbage to to human waste and things like that, then?
1: Correct. And when you burn it, you're going to have fumes. Those fumes can be benign or toxic. Ninety-eight percent of them are toxic. And believe it or not, there are people who have come up with dioxin poisoning, even though the... Uh, the big the bigwigs don't want to look at the science, even though we hear we've got to follow the science. Dioxin poisoning in World War I veterans, and dioxin is the basis for Agent Orange, in World War I veterans from burn pits that ha- they had in World War I. And that's from burning plastics and other materials that, when combined with heat, turn into dioxin. Okay.
0: Ray, if you don't (laughs) mind hanging on for just a minute, we're getting ready to go to break, and we'll go into more of this after the break, if that's okay. Sure. All righty, folks, you've been listening to 96.7 FM and 1430 AM. Welcome back to The Legal Eagle Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. I've got with me today uh, special guests Jim Headley and Ray Rollerson uh, by phone. Um, to call into the show, the number is 863-682-1430. To contact me at my office, the number is 863-688-2389. Uh, Jim, during the break, you and I were talking about some of the uh, direct things that have been tied to Agent Orange, because that's the one a lot of us have heard about. We're hearing more and more about the burn pits, but Agent Orange, why don't you get with Ray and kind of tell everybody more of the um, things that have been directly connected to Agent Orange. Hey, Ray, are you still with us?
1: Oh, yeah,
2: definitely. Okay, so whenever we're we're trying to distinguish between, like, say, a, a a service-connected injury, like a gunshot wound, well, obviously you have stitches, you have scars and pain. There's also a way to get service-connected for something that's secondary to something else or exposure, correct, Ray? Correct. Okay. Um, now, the VA has put together what they call a presumptive list. Would you go through that with me for Agent Orange exposure, which was a defoliant for people who don't know what it was? It was to take down the jungles to right. get rid of they some did. of the cover of the enemy. What are some of the uh, impairments that, that are seen presumptively attributed to
1: agent orange exposure well let me just throw in there that there's been three added to the list uh, of presumptives. the newest three are bladder cancer hypothyroidism and parkinson parkinsonism ah, i my tongue is tied today haven't had enough coffee jim okay. <laughs> but we're now we're looking at um, the uh, AL amyloidosis is one of them. Chronic B-cell leukemias, chloracne. Now, the interesting thing about chloracne that's going to have to have manifested itself to within 10% of last exposure to uh, the herbicide. So that one's pretty much out of the picture for coming in and saying, hey, I got chloracne now uh, some 50 years after Vietnam. But the biggies we're seeing now are diabetes mellitus type two, um, Hodgkin's disease, ischemic heart disease or um, coronary artery disease. That's popping up now. Multiple myelomas, uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Of course, these are all gonna need to have a diagnosis by a doctor and you're going to have to have proof of boots on the ground in Vietnam or within the 12 mile limit of Vietnam. That's the blue water, uh, Navy veterans.
2: And Ray, I'm glad you brought up proof. You know, everybody's Mm -hmm. watched TV, you know, Perry Mason beyond a reasonable doubt and, you know, guilty beyond a reasonable doubt for the criminal threshold. What's the, uh, what's the threshold for veteran service connection?
1: Well, the threshold is when I say the proof, It's going to be on your DD 214 or within your medical record. And generally the proof is that you were deployed and you had the boots on the ground proof is usually that um, the your uh, for combat veterans very easy that you have a combat award from the theater of operation. Other proofs are the medals or awards or in your service record, that it shows that you had been deployed to the area and that you actually were, for instance, um, in Da Nang or Saigon, uh, or your ship had sailed in the waters within 12 miles if you were in the Navy. So those are, those are some of the uh, proofs
0: it's it and i hate to interrupt at this point but when mm-hmm. they say they were in the waters within 12 miles I, I, is that basically acknowledging that it could have that kind of an effect even 12 miles away
1: yes because the the wind doesn't just stop on the shore it blows it blows the uh, agent orange okay. out to sea now i could go into a lot of the the uh, chemistry about it and all but You don't have the time for me to do that.
0: No, and I'm afraid it might bore everybody to death on that part of it. It's extremely (laughs) important for the proof aspects, I'm sure.
1: Now, two of the others that are very, very important are prostate cancer for Vietnam veterans and respiratory cancers. Okay.
2: Now, now, Ray, whenever we say we're going to go ahead and move over to the other proof, use of the word proof, Do they have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that exposure to the herbicide or any other source current? What's the threshold? No. What's the the standard of proof of burden?
1: If, by law, if they were in Vietnam or in the territorial waters of Vietnam and their ship was recognized as having been in that 12-mile limit and they were on that ship, by law, it's conceded.
2: Okay. Now we're going more like the relative poise question, right?
1: Well, that that's not even relative equipoise. It's by law. It's conceded. But here, the thing is, they had to have been there. Yeah. And their records have to show it.
0: Now, what if their records don't show it, but they were there?
1: There, there's the problem. There, we have to get some sort of um, other. You know, there's other means. It can be a long, hard battle. Uh, if they can get buddy statements, uh, letters from friends. Uh, Or we can dig up records, pay records, um, uh, passenger manifests that show that they went into Vietnam, military passenger manifests.
0: And I'm going to show my stupidity at this point. Is one of the disorders what we might commonly refer to as Lou Gehrig's disease? Yes. Okay. And the reason I'm asking about that, one of my best friends in life when we went through law school he was the oldest guy in the law school going through and i was the youngest guy at the time he later worked for me he and i had lunch about a year and a half ago and it was is it was when he finally divulged to me he said tony they finally have approved me as a, having been disabled through agent orange and i now have luke what's called lou gehrig's disease correct and i said oh my god i'm so sorry but jerry is an extraordinarily tough individual he did four tours through vietnam Um, he disclosed some things to me about combat issues he was involved in that were very difficult. But he made it through all of that, and he's had a very long life otherwise, and he's still alive today. But I had no idea until he told me about that 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 was part of what you could get some compensation for, even all these years later.
1: Uh, It's it's also referred to as ALS.
0: Yeah. And so that's one of the more recent ones that have been added, or was that, has that been around for a little while?
1: It, it's been around for a little while. I'm not going to say a long time, but a little while.
0: Okay. I know now, go ahead, Jim.
2: Go ahead. I know you spoke about chloroacne and about there's a time limit, basically a statute of limitations per se, but there are other disease processes that take times to manifest, like after Hiroshima and Nagasaki or after Vietnam. Uh, how would you explain that, Ray?
1: Uh well, which, which particular diseases?
2: All right, let's look at um, after uh, Nagasaki and Hiroshima, some of the cancers that,
1: that oh, yeah. took 30 okay, those, years. Mm-hmm. Those do, some of those cancers from radiation do take a while to manifest, and each one of those we have to look at on a case-by-case basis. And here again, we're going to need to have a doctor's, and sometimes it's going to have to be um, like the oncologist. Uh, type of doctor, you know, the, uh, specialty doctors, they're going to have to have, they're going to have to review the records, both the, uh, service medical record and the personnel file. And they're going to have to know where the, where the person was. Um, sometimes we're going to have to even go as far as try to determine. And the reason I say we, it's, it's a team effort between the representative and the VA uh, to determine where the veteran was, how much radiation they could have absorbed, and what the resulting um, the resulting manifestation of the disease process is. In other words, how long would it take for that particular cancer to develop, like colon cancers or rectal cancers. And you mean? And-
2: Yes, and you mentioned a doctor, doctor's assistance. Would the doctor have to say, "I I know beyond a shadow of re- any reasonable doubt that it was caused by this," or does he just? Well, say-
1: usually the term the term is as least as likely as not, um, which is not
2: almost
0: not even what we call the old preponderance of the evidence. It's even it's just even a fifty fifty would get you there.
1: Correct. The least as likely as not is basically fifty fifty. Okay, and um, that derived from, and I cannot remember the the court case. And if I'm not mistaken, it was in a Supreme Court case that that came out. It's the tie goes to the runner. Now, the evidence.
2: Now, question and, Ray. You, I know the yes. answer to this, but I think you can probably explain it a little better than me. What happens if a veteran has a civilian doctor that says A, and then the VA doctor says B? Do they have to put better weight on the VA doctor or?
1: Well, that that's a very interesting question because what we have there is we have evidence in equipoise, evidence that's in balance. Here again, tie goes to the runner. So, <laughs> so ultimately, tie.
0: if the the private doctor says one thing and the VA doctor says the other, they're still going to lean towards the private doctor because, like you said, the tire well, goes to the runner.
1: Actually, that that's where now. That's the way it's supposed to work. Okay. However, let's say one doctor is a general practice doctor, and the other doctor is a specialty doctor. Then we have to nit, you know. Then we have to nitpick the evidence. Okay. Well, maybe, if you, if you don't mind hanging sure. around a
0: little bit longer, sure. we've got one more break here. We got to take, and we'll come back and, and have you back after the break if that's okay.
1: Yeah, it's
0: no problem. All righty. You've been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM. Welcome back to The Legal Eagle Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. I'm an attorney here in Lakeland. To call into the show, the number is 863-682-1430. That's 863-682-1430. Uh, To contact me at my office, the number is 863-688-2389. That's 863-688-2389. I've got with me a guest, Jim Headley today, who's an attorney here in Lakeland that does a lot of veterans-oriented type uh, claims and benefits uh, assistance. Jim, why don't you get everybody your contact information?
2: Sure, and the, and the assistance we do for veterans is pro bono. Tony, by the way, that's not how we right. earn our living. That's for free. So,
0: And that's what I was getting ready to say. For those that don't understand what pro bono means, that's free. And Jim actually received the Polk County Pro Bono Award uh, for attorneys, what was it, two years ago? Uh, last year. Last year. Sorry, last year.
2: And you actually know the attorney that won it this year.
0: I do. Uh, Emily, Am- Stuckey. A- Emily Stuckey. Emily yes. um, Stuckey. And I, everybody should understand, both of them are very, what I'd call, hardcore conservatives. So just so everybody understands they're not just doing this, they, they do it because they want to help people. Yes. And most of Jim's pro bono work is for veterans through the VA and also through something else that we're going to go into more after the break, which is called Veterans Court. Again, that'll be something we talk about after our next break. Uh, but go ahead and give the contact information, Jim.
2: If you're a family member who needs help with the Veterans Administration, please call Headley Law at 863-904-5520.
0: And where's your office located?
2: Right on South Florida Avenue, 1906 South Florida, in between Beacon and Ariana.
0: Just a little bit north of what I call Lovebirds, I think, is that little uh, place down there.
2: Used to be Starbucks. It was old. Gas yeah. Gas
0: yeah. God, that was horrible trying to get in and out of that place as a Starbucks. I think that's why they moved. Uh, but I understand the other places are doing really well. So, All right. And we've got with us also Mr. Rollerson, Ray Rollerson. Uh for lack of a better word, mentor and assistant to help no. Jim Medley at times with no. a lot of these things. He has
2: been my mentor for over 20 years. That's appropriate. Okay.
0: Jim, you were talking to us uh, and actually talking with Mr. Rollerson before the break uh, concerning the the aspects of how the claim works. Go ahead and go into that a little bit more.
2: All right. And, Ray, you want to help me with the initial application process make sure I don't misspeak? Sure. Go ahead. All right. So the first, dude, there used to be a five. What was it? Five twenty-six. What was the initial yep. application?
1: Right. It's now the five two six EZ. That's the initial application, and also um, anytime you want to put in an application for an increased evaluation or additional uh, can additional conditions. Um, that's the way it's working now with the new uh the new way they're doing things. The best its the best way I can explain it without getting uh <laughs> so, can, riled up about it.
2: Could I still open up uh for an uh, increase by doing a statement in support of claim that twenty one forty one thirty eight or no, is diff- not
1: anymore. Okay. That's all all the five two six now, five two six E Z. Twenty one dash five two six E Z.
2: Okay, excellent.
0: Is there a reason that they changed that up or it was it it says easy was it to try to simplify the process uh
1: the whole idea was to try to standardize um system
0: okay so easy um, doesn't necessarily mean easier
1: no no it's to try to standardize the system and in in my opinion in standard in their approach to standardize the system they've just caused. A bigger headache for everybody.
2: Now, say I put in an application and I get either a, a small amount of service connected percentage or a flat denial. What do I do then? Just say okay.
1: Well, you can. The way it's set up now is you can either. Well, the way it's set up now, you should follow the procedure and put in a um, supplemental claim. By Mclemmy, you got the right term here putting in uh, new and relevant evidence to follow-up is either the denial or follow-up for um, an increased evaluation. And if that is, um, continues with a denial of what you're, what you're after, then we go into the decision review for a higher level review and if that's denied then we put in now is the notice of disagreement to the board of veterans appeals
2: okay so i remember back in the day there was a process called the decision review officer has that been taken out of the equation or is that no
1: the decision review officer does a higher level review okay um but it's like i said in my opinion it's not working as well as it used to well that's so, not a good
0: thing because it didn't necessarily work that great before <laughs> <laughs> well uh, it,
1: in, it did have its advantages in the past now there are some advantages now that you can come in with a um, with additional evidence and they say oh yes we see where we've made an error we're going all the way back to the date you initially Major claim, but the other—I guess this is—I guess this is an advantage, and that as long as you keep putting in new evidence, that original date of claim stays open.
0: Okay, so that means you get a benefit all the way back to the original date of claim, then not later. You could,
1: you could. Okay. So um, it's it's become it's become interesting okay let me put it that way let
0: me ask you this it sounds like a lot of these claims people can start and do on their own but i'm not sure based on what i'm hearing that that's a good idea
1: well in my uh, my experience an individual should never approach the va um you know unarmed so to speak
0: without help is what i think i'm correct And, and it's, it's because they're going to get run over by the bureaucracy.
1: Right. And with the changes that are coming, uh, there have been changes uh, that were proposed just recently in the way uh, certain elements of disabilities are going to be evaluated and processed. Um, it's, you should never go it alone.
0: Okay. And it's because it's like a lot of different things that are out there. Even the court system, Jim and I'll tell you, anybody that walks into court and tries to represent themselves in there, they're going to get creamed.
1: Oh yeah. Yep.
0: Uh, because you're you're going up against somebody else in the court system that does have a lawyer most of the time, uh, or even two unrepresented parties. They're going to end up screwing things up so bad that it's going to be hard for us to fix. How many times, later
2: on. Tony, in your career, have you had someone come in the day? After they've already lost at the hearing say, Oh, I need attorney now.
0: Yeah. Oh, and I look at him and I go, You're a day late and a dollar short on that one. And I, I look at him and go, Why did you think you were okay on this? Well, I thought and I said, Yeah, that's first thing you made a mistake on. Don't think about this. You need to get somebody else to do the thinking for you. That's and I right. kinda think that's the same approach that I'm hearing that needs to mm-hmm. be taken within the veterans' benefits through the VA. You need to get somebody that knows what they're doing to help you with
2: it. And sometimes by starting it yourself, it's like the analogy of tending a car. Whether you, they charge less to tent a car that's never been tending than they do to tent a car, they have to remove 10 to add 10.
0: Right. Yeah. There's more work involved once it's malfunctioned at that point. I, I've had a lot of people that'll come see me, and I'll quote them a fee, and they, they choke on it because I know what it's going to take to do it right, and... Six months later, after they've messed around with it themselves and made it worse, they come in and go, oh, can I still hire you? And I go, not for that price, because I now know I've got to undo what they've done to fix it, hopefully fix it. I may or may not be able to. So I've got to charge more at that point, because it's going to take more work than if they had just hired me to begin with. Now, y'all are doing this as a pro bono type situation. I understand that. But since you're doing it as a pro bono, why aren't people just doing it up front with you and not trying to do it themselves? Because it's going to make it a lot cleaner and simpler in the long run, it sounds like.
2: Not everybody knew we were there. I got you. Uh, By the award last year, it was nice because the ledger did a nice piece in it. We've got a lot of people call because of that. It's awareness. And it brings awareness to the the population that the veterans need help.
1: Some of them are drowning.
0: Have you seen an uptick in people seeking out the help?
1: Ray? (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes, we have.
0: Okay. Well, that's a good thing then because that means y'all are there for them. Yes, sir. To be able to help.
2: You know, and some of these guys and girls, but, I mean, some of the ones that are, like, there's one gentleman we helped a couple years ago who was a Vietnam vet, never asked for anything, never got anything, and he thought pretty much everybody was against him. Well, he got the money in his account before he got the award letter. And he called the office crying because it was like $57,000 went in his account. And he didn't know. It just floored him. Yeah. I mean, but he he could have been drawing. The the guy was shot three times in Vietnam. He could have been drawing this for 40 years. But he just didn't didn't have no confidence in his government.
0: Yeah. Well, Mr. Rollerson, I sure appreciate you calling in and helping us with this day. After the break, I'm going to go into some other stuff with Jim concerning veterans court, which I don't think you get involved with at all. Uh, but I really appreciate you calling in. It's nice to hear your problem. perspective and how you've been able to help Jim with all of these things. And well,
1: I would like to add one thing about uh, ALS. Sure. That's not just Vietnam vets. It's all vets.
0: Oh, perfect. So it's been attached to basically any type of conflict-type situation or even well, non-conflict, probably.
1: Right. Uh, it's, uh, the law says, ex- uh, except as provided in paragraph B of this section, and I'm not going to go in the whole thing. I'll just read this real quick. The development of ALS manifested at any time after discharge from uh, active military service. Um, establishes service connection for that disease.
0: Okay. All righty. Well, thanks again for calling in, and we appreciate your input on this today. Okay. Great. Thanks for your help, bud.
1: Hey, not a problem. See All you right. later, Jim.
0: Y'all, uh, you've been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM. Welcome back to The Legal Eagle Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. To call into the show, the number is 863-682-1430. To contact me at my office, the number is 863-688-2389. Jim, go ahead and tell people how to get a hold of you again, and then we're going to go into something else that you do.
2: You can reach us at Headley Law at 863-904-5520.
0: Now, Jim, uh, we're kind of shifting gears away from the VA benefits type stuff that you help with. There's another avenue that you help veterans with, and it's right here in Polk County, and it's called the Veterans Court, if I'm not mistaken.
2: It's Veterans Court Behavioral Health
0: Court. Okay. Now, you're not acting as an attorney in that a- capacity, but as a mentor?
2: That's correct. I was one of the one of the first mentor classes uh, about three years ago, whenever they started it, or four years now, started in Polk County.
0: Okay. And and what is the veterans court behavioral health?
2: If a veteran is charged with a crime, and they have a, a bona fide service connected impairment, if it's verifiable, even if it's not service connected by the VA and they get compensation, but if a doctor says that it's a you know an impairment from service, they may qualify. May okay. qualify. To get into the program, we we sort of call it like a proved diversion. Diversion in criminal court, you know a lot Yes,
0: about. yes. Now, ultimately what that means is sometimes the case can even be dismissed if they complete this program. Yes, sir. And the idea is to get them to help deal with the issues that caused the criminal behavior to begin
2: with. That's correct. And a lot of times we see it, in, uh, you know, with psychological impairments from war or from stressors. And they'll get a DUI, you know, and those are the cases we're not seeing that, at least locally, where the state will drop the charge on it. But at least
0: it may mitigate what their their ultimate sanctions are. Correct. And furthermore, it will help get them the help that maybe will keep them from doing it again.
2: Help self-medicating.
0: Yes. And a lot of people that are in those issues, that's what they are doing is self-medicating by using alcohol instead of either getting the psychological help they need or maybe even some prescription issues where they might need something to help them out in that aspect. I'm not a huge advocate of prescriptions, but it does work in occasion.
2: Some people need it.
0: Yeah, and especially when they've been ex- exposed to issues overseas, uh, and they, I suppose here as well, but particularly overseas and combat-type issues.
2: Well, you know, before PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, they called it shell shock. And yeah. It, Soldiers and sailors and airmen, marines came back from World War One, World War Two, and most of them. I mean, they didn't have psychotropics or, pain, no. you know.
0: Well, I can you imagine even the worst parts? Is even during the Civil War, the American Civil War, the problem is a lot of that stuff never got reported on, because no. they just didn't put it together as being war-related necessarily.
2: And, and humans were 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 prideful too. A lot yeah. of it, especially men, our gender are worse to say, hey, I need help.
0: Yeah, and. Now we're experiencing new waves of this stuff with the Afghanistan-type issues, uh, the Syrian issues where we were involved in things there, uh, Iraq where we were involved in the Iraqi desert storm issues. Uh, We've got a new wave of veterans coming through even since Vietnam. Oh, yeah. And God, I hope we don't have another one out of where we're at now. So far we're okay on that. But And, and I'm, I'm directly referencing Ukraine folks, and if people don't like that, well, I'm sorry. But it's a reality check that we're all having to deal with right now. I'm hopeful we don't get directly involved, but it's a possibility. Uh, but the long and the short of it is we do have direct involvement and did have direct involvement uh, within Afghanistan. We had direct involvement in Syria, Libya, Kuwait, Iraq.
2: Well, really, we'll bake your noodle if you think about what happens— if a NATO member is attacked. Yeah. We don't have a contractual choice.
0: No, no. But so far, we're not there yet. Uh, we've even had issues with Turkey. And anybody that says Turkey, how, what, are we, what are you talking about? Now, I know directly that we had issues in Turkey with the coup attempt that occurred uh, three or four years ago, maybe five years at this point. And so we may have some people that have some issues coming out of that. I, I don't know. I am not going to elaborate further other than I do have direct personal knowledge of some of those issues that occurred there. And so as a result of that, we're going to see ongoing issues, and Jim's going to hopefully continue to do those kind of mentoring uh, uh, programs with veterans to try to help them. It's something that we need to do within our community. Otherwise, we're going to see more and more, I hate to say this, of the homeless-type situation, where they're sleeping on a park bench or behind somebody's property, that's not what we need to do. We need to help these people get back up on their feet and be able to be functioning members within society.
2: Well, I just got to do a special thank you to my brother. He's a half-partner in my firm, and he allows me, you know, we're equal partners, but he doesn't mind me taking off half of every single Wednesday, one full day to do the Veterans Court and to do the VA compensation workshop. So I appreciate Scott.
0: Well, and that's great for him to do that because – It's giving back to a community, and it's a part of our community that actually gave something of themselves for the country. And everybody can say, oh, well, they volunteered for it, and they were paid for it. Folks, they may have volunteered for it. They didn't necessarily volunteer for what ultimately happened that triggered these things. And secondarily, if anybody thinks the pay that they get is anywhere near commensurate with the uh, exposure that they are dealing with, uh, you need your head examined because it's just not the case. They are not paid very well to do what they're doing. Uh, They're doing it because they have a commitment to our country and to the citizens of this country. And it's time that we try to help them back. And Jim's also helping them in doing such by doing the programs that he's doing with them. And, Jim, I want to commend you on what you do with them for those things. Thank you, sir. Uh, Go ahead and get everybody's contact information again to be able to get in touch with you.
2: Uh, Headley Law is 863 Nine zero four five five two zero. Okay.
0: While we've got a couple of minutes here at the end, I wanted to bring it to everybody's attention that our lovely little community has made an insert into the March twenty twenty two American Rifleman magazine, which is put out by the National Rifle Association. Within that publication there is a page called The Armed Citizen. And guess what? Lakeland, Florida, made the March 2022 issue. Uh, back in December, a 42-year-old home invader was shot three times by a homeowner. Uh, they found a shotgun belonging to the suspect in the backyard of the victim. Of, and I say the victim, the, the person that owned the home's uh, residence. And they had video evidence of the suspect. Uh, approaching the home. Um, Our sheriff here, and they don't mention his name. I don't know why they didn't bother to put Grady's name into it. I'm sure he's a little disappointed that that didn't happen. But it says in here that he is quoted as a person's home is his refuge. And the homeowner did exactly what he had a right to do, and I commend him for protecting himself and defending his home. What happened was this was at a, uh, the guy was throwing a flower pot through a glass back door at about 1 p.m. We're not even talking at night. We're talking 1 p.m. in the afternoon. Um, and the person that actually owned the home ultimately decided to defend himself and shot the guy three times. I don't know if the guy made it or not. I hadn't bothered to check on him uh, to see if he lived afterwards. Don't really care because when you bother to, to try to break into somebody's house, you've just committed what I call the play stupid games, get stupid prizes award. He got his ward three shots right to him. And I, wrong house, yeah, wrong house, which in Polk County could be most of the houses probably in the county. Um, I think we probably, and nobody's ever done the statistics on it. Cause most of us would probably lie about it if we were asked. But I think that statistically we may have one of the highest percentages of gun ownership for community in the country. Um, Uh, Between us and maybe Wachula and Okeechobee, I mean, we've got a corridor up through here that probably 80, 90% of the homes are gun owners, if not more. Now, if somebody asks us, we'd probably be in that 40 to 50 percentile range because a lot of people don't want to go on record as to being saying, yes, I'm a gun owner. They don't want the government necessarily knowing all of their business. But I wanted everybody to understand that we did make a national publication the National Rifle Association did acknowledge that uh, in their armed citizen portion of their publication of The American Rifleman for the March 2022 edition. Interestingly, probably out of six or seven editions a year of the 12 that they put out, there's always something from Florida down here. Uh, and that's because, you know, Florida gun owners want to make sure they're taken care of. And the NRA publishes in that section. Uh, a lot of the incidences where people had to use firearms to be able to defend themselves. They're showing the legal basis of when people can use firearms to defend themselves.
2: Can I put something in real fast? Real quick. Right, real fast. If you've served in the military honorably, you don't need to take a concealed weapons course to get that, but I highly urge you to because there's certain th- times you should not shoot and you need to know the law.
0: That's a perfect example, and, we, and I appreciate your input on that, and you're ex- actually exactly right. You have been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM. And thanks again, Jim, for being on the show today. Thank you, sir.